Do you know someone who is part of the LGBTQ plus community and maybe feel like you don't know how to biblically interact with them? Do you passively accept or actively accept their lifestyle? Do you vocally disagree? Maybe you don't know what to believe about the movement or lifestyle choices as a whole. Or maybe you do know what the Bible says and you just don't get it or understand or maybe you totally disagree. And maybe you are someone listening who identifies with the LGBTQ plus community. Maybe you are lesbian, gay, bi, trans, queer, or you are working through how you're feeling. Today on the podcast, we are going to be diving into all of this, what the Bible says about those feelings and sexual preferences and identities, how Christians should and shouldn't be responding to the very obvious push towards not just condoning, but accepting and celebrating how those who are in the LGBTQ plus community choose to live. And I'm going to also talk about why I think we're called to do what I'm about to talk about. The importance of loving in truth and how love and truth go hand in hand. And we'll also talk about the false information surrounding Christians and the LGBTQ plus community. And maybe even talking about the false misconceptions about what Jesus would do. I should have honestly talked about this earlier. The time to talk about moral conversations isn't just when they've gained so much traction, but we should talk about these things right when we see it. Honestly, this conversation I think I was avoiding because I have friends who will probably be upset about what I'm going to share. And like I shared in last week's episode, I have people I love who are part of this community and I didn't want to burn bridges and have people maybe not like me. I hate to say it, but I have kept my mouth shut in the past in this area. But I have a platform, and it is a month where supporting the LGBTQ movement is basically a demand, and so it's time to speak up and simply speak truth in love. So friend, let's dive in. This is going to be a jam-packed episode, so get ready. Hi friends, and welcome to the She Lives Purposefully subscription podcast, a place for you to be encouraged and equipped in your walk with Christ with bonus content. I'm your host, Megan. What does the Bible say about these feelings, sexual preferences, and identities in the LGBTQ plus movement? Let's start there. Bible-believing Christians do believe that same-sex relationships are called out as sin by God's word and that the ideas that promote more than two genders go against God's specific design. And they also believe that encouraging children to take part in any of this by having them promote it or, again, specifically take part and encourage them to question, dive into their own sexuality and attraction as minors is sinful. First, we know this from scripture that homosexuality and gender changes are sin. In regards to homosexuality, we can read here Romans 1, 22 through 27. It says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave 
up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts and men receiving in themselves the due penalty for their errors. So again, we kind of see this description of what homosexuality is and we see it called dishonorable passions um, and also shameless acts. We also could look at, if you want to jot these down, 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 through 10 and also Leviticus 18 for this area. And as for transitioning genders, the Bible teaches in Genesis 1 that God made us male and female. And no matter what our own feelings or, you know, things that we're working through or maybe confused about, we should act in accordance with God's design. We know too, but this is a specific design because the purpose behind gender is given in Genesis 2. The woman is given specific roles, so we know it's not just making up different genders, but that there's actually purpose and design behind each of the two genders. In Deuteronomy 22.5, it also says that a woman should not wear a man's garment, nor a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. But friends, I think it's important to note too that there are people who do feel confused with their gender and feel like they are in the wrong one. That is a real situation. That is real life. But I think it's so important to be able to love and have compassion while also knowing that feelings don't always equal truth and desire doesn't always equal and often doesn't equal God's design. And when it comes to encouraging these conversations with kids, which is not assumed, but is happening more and more, and that's just a fact, we're seeing pornographic and homosexually pornographic images in books in public elementary school libraries. We're seeing sexually charged drag shows open to kids and often geared to kids and families. We're seeing laws and moves that are being made to allow kids to transition or begin to identify differently without parents' knowledge, and even to the point of not allowing parents to have a say in this area. We're seeing baby onesies with the trans flag and pride flags. We're also having kids support or participate in events that are about someone's sexual preference, like gay pride parades. Doing all of this in the name of teaching children about equality or finding them true selves encourages sexuality in children and exposes them to it, specifically here, homosexuality and gender transitioning. If we believe that those things are sin, like we talked about above, then we can really tie in Matthew 18, 6, which says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a milestone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. And so naturally, to protect the hearts and minds of minors, many Christians will passionately defend the innocence of children. And again, this isn't to say that the entire LGBTQ plus community is doing this or supporting these kind of things, but it is to say that these things are happening. Another thing that we need to talk about is to say that this sin is not a higher sin per se than another sin, but because it is Pride Month, this is a sin that we are talking about. And taking a look outside of this, kind of stepping back, we need to be reminded too that desires can be deceitful. We see that in Ephesians 4, 22, and two, that our lives and our bodies are not our own. We see that in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20. And this applies to this area of homosexuality, but also other areas. 
heterosexual lust and sexual immorality, covetousness, greed, lies, unrighteous anger, unforgiveness, pride, all of it are serious to God. They all separate you from him without his saving work on the cross. And then taking another step back outside of this, we have to acknowledge while that this is sin, we also must bring up the good news. There is freedom and forgiveness from sin, all of our sin, the sins we hold lightly and the sins we think are unforgivable. The Lord loves people. He loves and is seeking everyone. He wants peace and clarity and joy and holiness for everyone. And Christians should be promoting that message. Christ, the Son of God, came and died on the cross to take the punishment for your sin and my sin so that we could be forgiven, freed, redeemed, restored, renewed, and brought into God the Father's family. That invitation is for all of us and can be accepted by believing that Jesus is the Son of God and God raised him from the dead and confessing him as Lord of your life. So we've talked about what the Bible thinks about, you know, these areas, homosexuality, transitioning, this movement as a whole, what, what the Bible calls sin and, you know, kind of what sin is and, and sin as a whole. So how should and shouldn't Christians live and respond to this very obvious push towards not just condoning, but accepting and celebrating how those who are in the LGBTQ plus community choose to live. And so, yeah, let's dive into those things. First, you know, I think there is the argument, why not just ignore it like many Christians do for other sins? You know, I think sometimes when Christians talk about this area, people maybe who are not Christians or maybe just other Christians kind of will say, you know, but you're not talking as heavily about other sins. And I do think it's important to note that Christians should be on top of other sins in their own lives and sins in the church, like we talked about. Maybe it's heterosexual lust or sexual morality, covetousness, all of those things. But I also think it's really important to note that this particular area of sin, especially in the United States, is pushed and pushed very significantly. And it's even given its own month of the year. We have been pushed to a point where we have to say something about it. We have to either agree or be called hateful. And so, you know, it's time to actually share truth in love and actually speak up about these things. So again, yes, while we need to take charge of other sins in our own lives, we're in the church, that doesn't mean that we can't also talk about this sin, something that is so heavily pushed in our culture. So that is something um, that I do just want to preface with. So what is something that we should not do as Christians in responding to the LGBTQ plus movement? And this is a big one, and I think it's so important, and it's going to be short and sweet that we're going to talk about this, but it is so important. We should not hate, harass, or humiliate, or think ourselves better than. Love is the greatest commandment, and pride is a sin that God hates. Both this kind of pride that we're celebrating, but also pride that is in all of our hearts. We are all sinners saved by grace. Our goal is to have people know Christ, not just be against things, but before the greatest news. There should never be hatred towards anyone who is struggling with their own gender identity, sexuality, who is transgender or who is transitioning, who is gay, lesbian, bi, queer, plus, all of it. We all struggle in different ways and we all sin in different ways. 
with different things. And it's so important to know that and not think ourselves better than and not hate or harass or any of it, period. So what should Christians do? Christians should love and speak truth. First, I want to just say that we should speak out where it applies. Friend, is it affecting your school or your child's school, your church, your community, businesses? Here's some non-breaking news. It is. There's a push in schools for more LGBTQ plus education, pornographic books, helping kids transition or affirming their desire to identify differently without telling their parents. We know from last week's episode and just, you know, if we even take a look at the news that it's pushed in businesses and communities at large. So we can, as it, especially not just in this area, but especially as it starts to apply to our own lives specifically, know that you have beyond permission to speak up and to speak truth in love. This isn't something that you just have to keep silent about or feel the pressure to keep silent about, you know, so that you're not encroaching on somebody else. No, it's, it's being pushed on you. And so it is okay to speak up. And again, not only in those situations, I'm not saying you can only speak up when it's hitting you specifically, but I am saying that especially because it is all, all the more freedom to actually speak up in this area. Another thing that I want to say, you know, we talked about speaking truth in love is love. Friend, whether you maybe feel like you identify with this community or you know people in this community or maybe you don't at all, treat those in this community with love and love and abundance. Treat them as someone made in the image of God who God loves and wants to save. Remember too that you are a sinner saved by grace and faith alone, not by your own doing. And recognize too that for many, the confusion and the struggle and the pain is real. So let's have compassion. These things are real things that people are working through, feeling, struggling with, all of it. So again, have compassion. And two, with that, I think it's important to go into this topic, the importance of loving and truth and how love and truth go hand in hand. Christians should be known for their love and also speaking truth. Truth without love is like a clanging symbol, as we know from scripture. And we touched on this quote last week, but Warren Wiersbe says this, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. Friend, truth is necessary. We are known by our love, but truth is right in part with that. This is why that why we love and we love fully, we also need to speak truth. That means sharing the gospel, which means acknowledging sin and the Savior who can save us from it, the need for salvation and the way to it. In John 8, we see, and this is, I think, an argument that's brought up a lot, kind of arguing that people should, you know, not judge, not say anything, keep quiet. In John 8, we see the story of the woman caught in adultery and she was brought before Jesus. She was brought before God. And we see in the story that Jesus does two major things. One, we see that Jesus did not cast any stone at her like the people who brought her forth wanted him to. They wanted to stone her for the sin that she was caught in, which was heterosexual adultery. And he did not cast any stone at her. And he also implied that no one should either. This is such a love. He has compassion on this woman for the sin that she was 
just caught in. The sin that she was just actively doing maybe minutes before. He loves her, and I think too that his heart breaks for the humiliation that she was put in, and he even defends her from being physically harmed. He said that the others in the community should not condemn her, but two, Jesus then tells the woman to go and sin no more. Jesus recognizes that this woman is in sin. He recognizes why she was brought before him, and he tells her that she should not be in the sin and actually commands her to not do it anymore. Friend, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we're also called to love wholeheartedly, but to also speak truth. In scripture, we do see those who follow Christ in the early church call out sin in the church. For those outside the church, we see them preach the gospel while not avoiding their sin and speaking up. Peter, in Acts chapter 1, preaches the gospel and the hope that God gives while also not shying away from calling out the sin of this group, which is that they themselves killed Jesus. We see it again in Acts chapter 3 and 4 and throughout. We see, too, that the same Jesus, the same God, who, you know, this woman in adultery kind of said that she shouldn't be stoned, also has a heart against wickedness and he hates sin. He hates what it does and has even destroyed cities like Sodom and Gomorrah and even the world in a worldwide flood over it. In this, we see that it is God who does these things, not those who follow him, you know, destroying whole cities and destroying the world. But in another story too, we see God call Jonah to call out a whole city, declaring destruction over it. And then we see God's intention to use this message to save that city. But we very specifically see God call Jonah to do this thing and God's heart behind it. In all of these stories, we see the Lord's severity in his heart towards wickedness, towards sin, and his command for people not to sin, but also his heart behind it in that to save people from their sin. We see his people being used to call out sin, but also to share this message of hope. I think that a Christian's response can be really well portrayed in this. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says this, We are to declare the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into light. We're called to preach and live the gospel. We're called to share about Jesus and what he has saved us from. In this verse, we see too that that means acknowledging that there is darkness and light and knowing what things are part of darkness. In the Bible, we see believers calling out injustice, talking about sin amongst themselves and preaching the gospel, the problem of sin, the saving from it, and the Savior who saves us from it. And we see them talking about all of this, about sin and the hope that we have boldly. John Piper says this, When a person becomes Christian, he undergoes transformation not just of what he disapproves, but of how he disapproves. There is nothing peculiarly Christian about the mere disapproval of any human behavior. Therefore, disapproval of sinful behaviors is no evidence of saving grace. Becoming a Christian is far more profound than changing what we disapprove of. But I do think it's important to note that we are not in a place, at least right now, where others are sinning and we can ignore it. It's, you know, we can have this idea, it's a them thing, I'll mind my business. 
if it ever was relevant, that kind of argument, it's not anymore. We're in a place often where we are called to approve of and celebrate the sin or on the flip side then to be called hateful. So what do we do then? Well, we still speak truth and we still love wholeheartedly, but we also have to obey God over the world. When it comes to making kids embrace this in school or participate in selling, celebrating it at work, we have to choose to actually live how God calls us to live and deny the celebration of this sin. And I think we can and should too speak out when applicable. And as we do, let's always remember to not just disagree for disagreeing's sake, but again to declare the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into light. There is hope and freedom from sin, and sin is destructive. And that's a truth we can and should be and are actually called to and commanded to share. So Christians can and should be loving all while being able to say that sin is sin and tell people about God who wants to free us from sin and make us new. And as an aside, fiercely defend the defenseless, like kids who are being encouraged and subjected to inappropriate conversations and choices, like, again, inappropriate books in school libraries, starting to make life choices about gender, going into sexually charged shows, being talking about sexuality, especially at such a young and unable to consent age. I think this ties into as well the next thing that I want to talk about, which is the false information surrounding Christians and the LGBTQ plus community, and even talking about what people say Jesus would do. Friend, for those who do feel like Being loving means giving a thumbs up to our friends and family who are living in ways that God calls sin. We know that in God's word, it actually says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love doesn't celebrate wrongdoing. And what is this month, if not that, celebrating wrongdoing in the eyes of God? So love is not doing that. That's not love. Two, we also hear many people shout, you know, well, Jesus hung out with sinners, with prostitutes and tax collectors, and therefore he approved of their life choices. Therefore, he approves of mine. And you know what? He did hang out with sinners and thank God that he loves sinners. This is true. He is so gracious. And because of his love for sinners, that is how I am saved But we also see that in hanging out with them and in loving them, he addresses their sin or wrong thinking. A tax collector became a disciple of Jesus, but he's called out of that life or the dishonesty of it. In Luke 7 verses 44 through 47, Jesus has supper as a guest in someone's home. But when he's there, he's called out for letting a woman anoint his feet. And as a guest in someone's home, Jesus actually rebukes the host who called him out. In 1 Peter 4 through 3, 2, we see that it's assumed that we won't join in the world's sin and we will be maligned for it. Friend, just because Jesus loves sinners does not mean that he approves of the things that they're doing. Doesn't even mean that he didn't call them out for their sin because he did. Bringing it back to the woman caught in adultery, we see his love for this woman, but we also see that he commanded her to go and sin no more. Love does not mean approval. And I think that's so important to get into our heads because I think 
too, if we remotely say that we disagree with, then we are, you know, told that we are hateful or transphobic or homophobic, and that's not the case. We've taken away the ability to love and disagree with someone's decisions, especially in this area. I think in other areas, we might not say so. You know, if somebody is doing something that's really harmful to themselves, we could say that intervening would actually be loving in that situation. But in this area, that conversation is off the tables. Love looks like acceptance for so many people, but we see that for Jesus and in God's word, that is just not the case. Love does not mean accepting all things. And I just think that's really important to know. And again, going back to that First Peter 4, 3 through 4 verse is knowing that, you know what, we're going to have to not join in with things that the world is promoting and doing and their sin. And that does mean that we're going to be maligned for it. I think sometimes we can hold so weightily the words of the world in telling us, you know, you're not a good Christian because you're not loving, because you're judging. If you really were following Jesus, maybe you would actually be supporting this. And we're like, oh, are they right? Without actually looking at scripture and what God says it's going to happen to Christians is that they're going to be maligned, that they're going to have to not join in the world's sin. These are things that we should know are going to be happening to us. And, and so I just think that's really important approaching this month and saying like, all right, if I choose to not join in with the celebration, if I choose to maybe vocally disagree with some of the things that are going on or all of the things that are going on, is that a lack of love? Is that a lack of Christ? We can see clearly, no, it's not. And then if you're maligned for it, that's something that you already knew was going to happen from scripture itself. And I would encourage you to, because I think it's such an easy trap to fall into, again, is kind of accepting what the world says you should do as this moral truth, you know, how, how Christians should be acting and taking that from the world. Let's remember to take our instruction and what we should do from Christ himself and from God himself in his word versus what people who don't know the Lord and who haven't picked up their Bible in a really long time would say that you should do. You know, I think that's really important. And maybe that's a little harsh, but I, I think it's important to say, like, if you are a Christian and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can seek Jesus on how you should re be responding. You can see God's actual words written down for you in how you should be responding, in how you should be loving in abundance, but in also how you should be speaking truth and not shying away from truth. And, and you should be able to derive that from this place and know that, you know what, the spirit is in me. God is speaking to me. I am filled with the spirit and I know exactly what God's word says. And I can trust that versus the word of somebody who doesn't know God. And I, I think that's just something important that I didn't have planned out to say, but I just wanted to say that too. And with all of that said to friend, you don't need to rebuke everyone in sin. And I just want to say this too. This doesn't mean that we go into like a rebuking party and we're just like coming at everybody. Not at all. But we do need to stand firm where we're at. And we do need to love people and speak truth. And that is so important. So friend, declare the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into light. Love fiercely and speak truth. And one thing I want to say, too, is a really good resource. I'm going to link it in the show notes. It's from the Gospel Coalition. Um, if you are kind of wondering and want a deeper dive 
into what the Bible says about transgenderism, maybe how to approach that. It is a really good resource that I will link for you as well. I'm always looking for more resources in this area, and I think a lot of Christians are too. So go and check that out. All right, friend, for more bonus subscription podcasts, you can become a bonus subscriber. As a bonus subscriber, you get weekly podcast episodes that are exclusive to bonus subscribers, just like this one that I made public for you. It's just such an important conversation. I couldn't keep it couldn't keep it just for subscribers, but you also get Bible reading plans, access to all digital Bible studies, and an exclusive reusable shop code. You can sign up at shelivespurposely.com backslash sign up or find the link in the show notes and you can get a two-week trial today. I'm also curious what you think about this episode, or rather what you think God thinks about this topic and why. If you like this podcast, be sure to leave a review and share it with your friends in your go-to group chat or on social media. Doing this helps the podcast so much to reach new women and encourage and equip them in their walk with Christ. Don't miss next week's bonus podcast episode. There will not be a Thursday or Friday public episode. So if you need your fix of Sheila's Purposely podcast episodes, be sure to become a bonus subscriber. In doing so, again, you really are helping support She Lives Purposefully and helping the furthering of content creation. So I appreciate it so much. Friend, live purposefully. Live for Jesus. <laughs>